Welcome to the Grand Thrive Podcast, episode 189. The power of a unique brand with Jill from Four Strange Women. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, lovely Thrivers. Jess here, and welcome back to the show for another week. Before I dive in to this week's episode, I just want to give you a heads up. If you don't already listen to my other podcast, The Business of Making, which is a uh, co-hosted show I host with Michaela Danvers and Deb Engelmeyer. And every week we have a chat about some aspect of running a handmade business. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go check that out, thebusinessofmaking.com. And the reason I wanted to mention it is because we actually have something really exciting coming up very soon, and that is a live interactive workshop series. Yes, it's very different to anything any of us have done before. And what it's going to be, it's actually a series of three workshops uh, over a week. And each workshop is two hours long and it is an interactive live workshop. That means it's not like a webinar or, you know, a workshop where you just watch it and then go do the work later. No, we're all going to be there for all three workshops. One will be presenting, the other two will be supporting in the chat. And during the workshop, we're actually going to give you time to get the work done while you are there. So you will walk away from each workshop with the work done already which is fantastic. So like I said, series of three workshops, and it's on a very, very important topic, and that is your mailing list. Yes, it is. We're going to take you through three workshops that will help you from the beginning to the end to get started, to create content for, and to grow your mailing list for your handmade business. You can sign up for one of the workshops if there's just one aspect of that process that you're a little bit uh, unsure of or really not doing properly. Or you can sign up for all three and you'll get a little discount if you sign up for all three. And furthermore, if you are one of our patrons, so we have a Patreon account for the business of making and our platinum patrons actually are getting early sign up and a quite a decent discount on the price of those workshops as well. Honestly, if you're going to do the workshops, you'll save money by signing up and becoming one of our platinum patrons. So go check that out. Everything is over at thebusinessofmaking.com. You'll find the actual workshop information at thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash workshops. So go check that out now. You can read a bit more about them and you can sign up to the wait list to be notified when we launch uh, access to the workshops. I'm really excited. We're all really excited about it because like I said, it's something we haven't done before and we're really looking forward to the opportunity um, to work live with you on these important things. And if you guys enjoy this workshop series, we are totally down to do more on other topics in the future. So look out for that. But yeah, go check it out, businessofmaking.com forward slash workshops. Uh, for all the information on that. And I hope you enjoy the show. If you're not already a listener of the other show, The Business of Making, I hope you enjoy it. It's a little bit more um, irreverent <laughs> than this podcast. It's not, the language is not safe for work sometimes. Um, and it's, it's just really fun. We, the three of us definitely agree on most things, not everything, 
But it's, I think it's really helpful for you to hear, you know, not just my perspective, but the perspective of a few other people who also work in this industry and have a lot of experience. Uh, Deb has a, uh, I think she has an MBA actually, and she worked in marketing for Sephora before she came to Australia. She's French and um, she's always been into craft. And Mick has had her own handmade business. She ran an actual space for makers in Canberra for a while. And she's actually also applying to do her PhD and she's going to be studying the intersection of um, like uh, makers and business and women. So we're all kind of coming at it from a slightly different perspective, but we all have a lot of experience and knowledge of the industry. So go check that out. Okay, so today's episode is a replay. So Forgive me if the audio of the actual recording is not perhaps what you're used to listening to. It's pretty good still, but it's not quite up to the standard of my most recent podcast because I did record this a few years ago, but it's a really fantastic episode. So I wanted to bring it back to make sure you've heard it in case you hadn't heard it because it's from the first year, I think, of the podcast. And it's an interview with Jill uh, and she is from Four Strange Women. It is a perfume brand. So she makes uh, very interesting natural perfumes. She's incredibly successful at it. Uh, She's got over 35,000 sales in her Etsy shop alone. And she also has her own website and an actual shop uh, in her town. And I think, you know, she caught my eye well before I recorded this. And one of the reasons I think she's been so successful is her amazing unique branding of her business like there are so many people out there who make you know natural products beauty products perfumes and stuff but Jill I think has taken it to a whole new level and it's just so unique and you'll never forget her business uh, once you've kind of seen it and become familiar with it it'll stick in your mind and that is the power of having a really unique brand Uh, while I'm on this topic I actually have a course called Brand Your Craft that's available on my website, grantthrive.com, if you do want to work on your own brand. However, I'm about to release an update in the next few weeks. So, well, I was going to say don't buy it now, but even if you do buy it now, you will get access to the update, but probably best to wait for that. So just keep an eye out. If you're not already subscribed to my email list, just head on over to grantthrive.com forward slash start here. That's all one word, no gaps, start here. Pop your your email in there and you'll be notified when the updated, refreshed 2.0 version of the course is available. And that is a 14-day self-study course that will help you brand your craft efficiently and effectively. All right, so let's get started with this interview with Jill. So I'm here today with Jill from Four Strange Women. Jill, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jess. So, you know, it's, I have kept an eye on your shop for a long time now because I think you're doing an amazing job. But for those of my listeners who've never heard of you, can you just tell us a little bit about your creative journey and what it is you create now? Yeah, um, I make natural perfume. It's all made from plant ingredients. Um, Everything comes from an aromatic material from nature. So when I combine them, it really has the ability to take you to a place or time that you've been to in your actual life and and not so much um, the synthetic perfume world where 
there's just completely new types of scents being made, and a lot of them are toxic and give you headaches. Mm. Um, I came to where I am now because I really was trying to cut out toxins from my life. Uh, my mom has an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, I see a lot of sick people around me all the time, and I've been trying to avoid it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it started about 15 years ago, I would say, that I really started becoming aware of my health and my environment. And um, and I've always been really creative, you know, wanting to make everything that I see. So mm-hmm. Um, so it really just kind of naturally came from me loving scent and perfume, but me also being like, man, I can't wear this stuff. And mm-hmm. how can I make it so that, you know, I, I love, you know, what I'm wearing and that I feel good about it. And, and so it started just me making my own, my own scents out of essential oils and then learning that there's all different types of plant extracts that, um, I can use to, combine into this and so I actually I came from like a varied background of art but one of the things I did was audio design um, and I did a lot of experimental music so um, recording audio really like made my ears um, just acutely attuned to just the most subtle things and I've realized that I use a lot of that in perfume making. I've taken that knowledge and applied it to scent instead of sound, and it works in a lot of the same ways. So, um, so yeah, that's been really fun. It's really fascinating. <laughs> a few yeah. things I want to touch on there. One, the whole, you know, scents giving you headaches. Like when I walk into, we have a department store here called Maya, and there's like a perfume section. And whenever I walk in there, I just want to die because it's just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to get right. through there as fast as possible. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people pro- can probably relate to that, that overwhelming chemical smell thing that yeah. happens um, with with traditional perfume. And the other thing I want to touch on is you make perfume and you sell it online very, very successfully. I think that's something that people wouldn't necessarily think you could sell well online because people can't smell it before they buy it, right? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you can see things online before you buy it and that makes sense, but to not be able to smell what... And that's essentially what you're buying is the smell. <laughs> it does seem really weird. So can I just, um, yeah, can we dive into that? And how do you evoke that scent or how do you work hard to help people understand what it's going to smell like before they get it? Um, well, okay, there's a couple things. Uh, for one thing, I really try to... Um, make my descriptions uh, mean something. Mm-hmm. It's not just supposed to be pretty, like, ooh, you know, everything's, um, you know, abstract and ethereal. It's, it's actually very concrete the way I create my sense, and they're based on real things, and they're based on life, and they're based on memories, mm-hmm. and the emotions people have associated with those memories. And um, one of the things that I specialize in is actually... Uh, like comfort scents mm. and and I use scent as a way to comfort myself um, I'm just a very sensual person you know I wear all natural fibers and I feel like you know like everything I touch everything I feel has to feel like nice and, <laughs> and <Yep>. soft and, <laughs> um, and so I really seek comfort out in every aspect um, of like what I'm doing like I try to surround myself with a comfortable surrounding so um, so I definitely try to do that with perfume and I try to 
really evoke that through words and through uh, photography and mm. just through every single thing that I do with the design. Even the um, the labels, the packaging, I have letterpress printed, mm. which is uh, hand printed and they have a texture to it and that texture is really nice and it's on a cotton type of a label and it's not just a mass mass produced item. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I kind of like go through every detail of what I'm doing and say, you know, what about this, you know, says like, this is natural. If I'm using like a bunch of plastic materials in my packaging, it doesn't really uh, finish the full thought that this is a natural perfume. Mm. And when someone doesn't even get to smell the perfume in person, you know, you really have to get that message across in every single way possible that this is how this is going to make you feel when you're wearing it or when you're smelling it, mm-hmm. um, not just when you're seeing it and reading it about it. So um, so I have to be very reinforcing through every aspect of how I present it um, and, and be accurate about it, too. Mm-hmm. I have to really give a, you know, a, a concrete example such as, you know, this smells like moss and decomposing leaves and mushrooms and, you know, and black tea and like all things that people are familiar with. And then, you know, describe it as this is an autumn forest scent. Things are dying, but it's still nice. (laughs) You know, there's rain (laughs) and there's bark on trees that have been soaking in the rain. And yeah, so it's kind of, um, it's, there's definitely a place and a time. It's not, um, you know, most of the perfumes really have um, a place for me. Like, they remind me of somewhere I've been or, you know, something I've done that um, they're not just made-up blends that are nice. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, you're re- you really kind of are connected with the, you know, scent is our one of, well, probably our most, most powerful scents when it comes to evoking memory. So if we, we yeah. link a scent with a memory, it's extremely powerful. So you're kind of evoking that feeling of memory and... A location or an experience in in people's lives that they can relate to uh, when they smell the perfume and your writing is very evocative but your photography I've actually used your shop for a couple of years as an example of how you can have an incredibly successful shop with amazing photography that is not white background boring photography yeah <laughs> you know you are the complete opposite of that your photos are warm there there's lots going on in them which is usually a no-no but it somehow works and they're very evocative uh, so how did you come to that sort of photography style because it's beautiful oh thank you um you know I've always kind of used photography as a means to an end in the past it was always you know oh I need to take a photo for this or this and then one day I just started playing with it and realizing like this is really nice to just go in the woods and take photos for a day and um, you know I developed my style just kind of based on every other aspect of art that I've done mm-hmm. um, and it expresses what I'm trying to say in exactly the same way and I I mean, I've never really had training in photography, so I really was surprised that my style developed as well as it had, um, you know, and that I was able to do what I wanted to do with it so easily. I guess it just came naturally. But, 
the you know a lot of what I try to do is uh, make the shadows my friend mm. I really love my camera and my lenses that I use and I feel that um, wrapping shadows around objects in just the right ways and then also catching light in specific ways mm. is what I really use to my advantage yeah. um, and I'm also I really like to have all natural materials again in yes. the photos if you look at them there's nothing in them that's really typically man-made. You know, it's no. a lot of it's wood and crystals and um, and just a backdrop of, or you know, there might be something metal. But mm. I try to always create a little bit of contrast, but not too much. And I try to um, really show the product and not show the background, but the background kind of hugs the product. So that's a great um, way of putting it actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and I stick with a pretty neutral color palette. I never get any too crazy with color. Um, you know, I, I my whole house and, you know, everything that I my studio, everything is it's kind of funny. Everyone you know, that knows me knows that I have a certain color palette yeah. that I, I dress that way like I really have five colors that I always use for everything <laughs> <laughs> so that makes it easy too yeah definitely and yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I love this, yeah what you were saying about your photos you know everyone listening go look at her shop because it really talking about it doesn't do it justice but you know like you also evoke what the perfume is through obviously the background you're using um in some way so you know I love the winter kitty photo of the little cat paw and the, the astral yeah. projection on the the crystal and um the clove with the cloves in the background and it's so subtle but you know it's it's just done so well that it I think it really evokes it, you know draws people in and goes oh that's what that's all about and gives a feeling Thank to you. it yeah yeah it makes it more fun <laughs> <laughs> it definitely so let's just backtrack a little you were talking about you know you started this journey as for yourself and your family how did it become a business? Was it intentional or did it just kind of evolve? You know, um, I was working as a graphic designer mm -hmm. um, and I had like a normal job for a couple years and I wasn't used to that. I was used to always just being an artist, you know, and <laughs> but I had been out of college for a year and I'm like, okay, I should really try to get a real job. And so I did that for a couple years and I was so miserable. There was no way I was going to be able to do that for like the rest of my life or yep. even two years was too long. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> because before that, that I always, <laughs> yeah, I always had like part-time screen printing jobs or something mm. like that before. And and so, um, so I was trying to do the full-time, you know, corporate job type of thing. And it just, I was like, I have to find something else or, you know, and I started looking around and I had friends working in advertising and I'm like, I can do that, but I don't think I want to, I don't want to end up in that world. So mm. I quit my job, um, only six months after starting Four Strange Women on Etsy. Wow. And I really took a leap of faith because I wasn't making enough money to really, you know, replace the job that I had. Um, but I was going in a lot of directions at once. I honestly didn't know what was going to stick or what was going to work for me at first. But I started doing a lot of things. I made a an iPhone app called the Cat Translator where it was me meowing <laughs> and every way possible and it sounded like a cat and, and I mean that did pretty well it's not on there anymore but uh, I was making websites I was working on a documentary I was 
um, you know, I was kind of just going every direction I could yeah. just to Single see, like, six. what stuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm just, I'm so creative that, like, I was like, I can do anything. What should I do? Should I be a photographer? Should I, you know, <laughs> should I do graphics freelance? I don't know. But, you know, I so the Etsy shop was just one of many things that I discovered. And I was like, Etsy, this is cool. What should I make? <laughs> ah, perfume, you know. And I didn't really think about it. There wasn't a business plan. There wasn't, like, a whole lot of planning of, of products I had like one or two things that I had made that I started with that I just stuck in a shop like you know absinthe lip balm okay I can make a batch of that and <laughs> that's how it started and so I really didn't know that it was going to become so big I didn't know that it, I would be doing it seven years later um, and it wasn't something that I had planned to grow to this level but it did so it worked and and I just kind of followed it because people responded to it so well mm -hmm. so yeah that's amazing and I think it's often what happens with people like it happened to me same sort of story you know I was doing it as a hobby and then just life circumstances conspired and I threw myself into it a little bit more and never really intending to go full-time and then it just kind of kept going and growing and I was like okay well let's just follow this path and see what happens right. and uh, it was thankfully the right decision but you never really know you know that it's yeah, definitely going to work a lot of people like psych themselves out because mm. they think, oh, I have to have this perfectly planned and it has to be like just what it is in my mind from the beginning. Uh, yep. And, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of time and money and like, I don't know how you're going to like, there's no way I could have put my shop together the way it is now seven years ago. No. Um, it took this long to build it to this point and... Uh, I mean, you know, if I had, like, investors and, you know, yeah. like, everything, like, that would have been one thing, but I just didn't go that route. I was very, like, uh, we'll just see what happens, and I was, I just played with it. It was a game, and yes. it took off, and it was good. I, I treat it like a game, too. It's kind of, it's it's exciting, yeah. you know, making, <laughs> making uh, you know, taking the next step and reaching the next level, and I think what you said there is really important about, you know, you can't get it all right first time and the only way you're going to be super successful straight away is if you have some sort of like massive influx of cash or something so you mm -hmm. can actually yeah. pay to get all the expert stuff done but and th but that's and okay. like a team of people yeah. like I did everything myself <laughs> I made my own websites over and over I had to start from scratch new websites you know it's like if I had a team of people working for me from the beginning that would have <laughs> put out a lot of work on my end but then it would yeah. be your baby exactly how you want it to be and that's that's yeah. a beautiful thing about working I think by yourself you can you have that yeah and control. that's definitely why it is exactly the way it looks right now so yeah. that that's the benefit for sure that's it so what has been for you the biggest challenge you've overcome so far in your business growth um you know there's been a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's been any one biggest but I I feel that um I keep getting big pushes um, to expand mm -hmm. and and big pushes to like, you know, be a bigger business than I am just in general. And I've been resisting it and resisting it. And I'm never quite ready to take on the expansion that's placed upon me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's been a couple times where I have kind of stepped up and I'm like, okay, we're going to expand a little bit. But that's really what I struggle with and I'm continuing to struggle with is yeah. uh, being in between a very small little independent, you know, one room, two girls. And then, well, 
this could be bigger, should it be, and what are the consequences, and what, you know, what does that mean for everything if I were to expand it, and I, I need to be less afraid of that, I think, but <laughs> so far, that's been the biggest challenge. And that's, I think, that's a stumbling block that a lot of people come up to. I know it's happened with us as well, and I know people who've reached that point, and, you know, success can be its own challenge, because you're like, mm-hmm. well, I've, I'm this little business, one or two people, and I, I'm suddenly getting more orders and more press or whatever. And but do I really want to grow? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you know people people feel this pressure, but it's it's your baby and your business, and you can do whatever you want with it. So I guess the question comes down to in your gut, you know, is that what you want with your life? Do you want? It? And I mean you, but also obviously everybody listening, is that what? is going to make you happiest or well, I guess make you feel like you're a success. So that's the challenge right. for people reaching that point of success is where, where do you draw the line in expansion? Right. And yeah, and I've done almost no advertising. Um, <laughs> I've done, you know, um, there's a lot of things. I don't do wholesale. I say no to wholesale like every day. People are asking me like, sell to my boutique. And I'm like, no. <laughs> or I just don't answer because I just, I don't know what to say right now. I'm like, I, there's no way I can do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll add a boutique, and they have no idea how lucky they are. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's definitely been a, an issue for me, and I'm going to try to work on it in this next year. Mm. So. so what would you say has been the biggest, I call, fist pump moment, the most successful or amazing moment for you so far in your business? Um, you know, probably just feeling confident enough in myself Mm. to quit my day job, you know, that happened towards the beginning, Mm. but that was a big step because that was the ultimate actual reason I started this, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so I I was a very early success in that I accomplished my goal, which was to quit my job within six months, and so since then, I've just been happy, you know, I'm like, I already (laughs) did it, I already succeeded, what do I do now? (laughs) Um, there's been some definite like huge things that have happened. Um, like in 2011, Oprah magazine did an article about me, you know, having changed kind of my whole life around and that was huge. I was not ready for it. I did not have, you know, everything in place that I needed in place before that hit. But, you know, you live and you learn. And I was only in business for two years at that point. And, um, and now, and last year, Kat Von D posted uh, a Forest Strange Woman product that she had ordered on Instagram, and then <laughs> all of her Instagram followers came over and were like, we need perfume too. So that was, um, so this past year has been a really big year, because that was last January. Yeah. Um, so I would say those have been some of the biggest things for me so far. That's pretty amazing. Oprah magazine. Oh my god. I can't even yeah. imagine that sort of I was like, Whoa, I'm not ready for this. Can you come back in five years, please? <laughs> can't ask that though. No. You just gotta go with it. No, that's right. If you say no now, you'll never have another have another chance to say yes. So that's the right. thing. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, do you ever have things, and I'm sure the answer is yes, because it usually is, are there things that you really want to achieve but you just haven't found the time for because you're so successful and so busy that those things are just kind of constantly in the distance? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always just a huge list in my head and on pieces of paper of things I want to do. Um, I've kind of feels like, um, you know, I, I just write it all down and whatever creatively excites me the most is I'm just like, okay, I'll just do that right now. And, and I don't know if I'll ever get done with all of my ideas, <laughs> be boring, but I know, <laughs> what do I do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have learned to take my time and pursue things a little bit more slowly and, um, but yeah, that's, that's been hard <laughs> figuring out what it is I'm going to like, you know, cause sometimes you push something aside long enough, someone else mm-hmm. does it. And then you're yeah. like, dang it, I should have <laughs> just done that. Um, so I'm definitely, I think there's a lot more natural perfumers out there now. I mean, when I started, there were hardly any, there's a small handful in this country that I knew of. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Etsy had like two or three yeah. <laughs> like yeah. perfumers and and now it's there's so many and I don't try to I don't really look at what other people are doing and I don't try to compete or keep up with them but I do know that like the way the universe works if you don't take your ideas and go with them then that idea is going to find another person mm-hmm. so so I take my favorites and I go with them that's cool <laughs> yeah so I n- I noticed when I was looking at your shop just before you've actually trademarked some of your sense how did that come about mm-hmm. and how do you do that for those who are interested in doing something similar well you can't trademark sense right um, but some, my sense are so complicated there's <laughs> no way anyone ever gonna know how to copy them um, <laughs> that's part of why I can't expand my business yep. because my perfumes are way too intricate um, but uh, the trademark is for the name right and um, some of my perfume names are very unique uh, and I, that's just a, a measure of protection that I use because um, there's any number of things that can happen uh, through Etsy or even off of Etsy with, um, you know, just copyright infringement and other types of issues of people, you know, taking your, like, I've had all kinds of little things happen, like people take my photos and descriptions and post them somewhere else and charge $80 and then they were buying it from my website for oh my 40 God. and then and then like selling it somewhere else for more because those people didn't know it actually existed. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And I especially don't want um, there to be 10 other winter kitty perfumes mm-hmm. being sold on Etsy, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I've, I haven't had to deal with too many um, copyright issues, but I have had to deal with some um, with other people making perfume and, uh, that was just one of the things that my lawyer told me that I should do. And so, (laughs) um, you know, there's a lot of things you have to like little details, but it's worth it in the end if there's an issue. Yeah. And then you can just Mm -hmm. come back to that and go, Hey, you know, you've got a kind of a leg to stand on when it comes to any issues that might arise. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like having good policies. I always tell my students have, you know, have strong policies because then you can refer back to those and they cover your back. You know, you can always say, mm-hmm. well, in my policies, I say this. <laughs> so it was, it's not a, a shock or surprise to people. Exactly. Even if they didn't read your policies, which pe- let's be honest, right. most people probably don't. <laughs> yeah. So trademarking just lets people know like, hey, don't take this name. Yeah. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Ha- 
you have your you have you and you have an assistant and you actually have a shop front that opens sometimes as well um so how do you actually manage your life like what's your time what's work time is there a definite demarcation or does it all kind of flow together uh it it used to all flow together Uh, my studio was right next to my house before and (laughs) I really didn't know when to stop working because of that (laughs) yeah (laughs) I just was always in some you know level working um and now my uh, my studio that I've had the last year and a half is uh, in the Kansas City Crossroads, which is about 10 minutes away from me. So awesome. I have a little bit of a separation. I can't walk to it in the middle of the night and, <laughs> you know, make a custom perfume for someone. I have to actually get in a car and go. So um, that makes it a lot different. Um, my, my assistant and I work there Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and then, and that doesn't seem like a lot. It's like, oh, you got it so good. You only work three days a week. (laughs) And, you know, that's true, but I do end up doing work from home or from wherever I'm at, um, several other days a week too. So those are just the production and shipping and, you know, like those type of days. And then we also have customers that come in because we have a little storefront there too. Oh, that's so cool. It must be nice to actually see people interacting with your product. Yeah, it is. It's kind of, I mean, before that I did shows like maybe once or twice a year, but mm-hmm. um, it is a lot better to, and, and it's weird too, because people who buy perfumes in person here um, gravitate towards almost the opposite perfumes that the <laughs> online customers do. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've talked to people and I've noticed that myself, that often what sells in person is not what sells online, which is mm-hmm. so strange, but... <laughs> I, I'm yet to figure out exactly why that is. I'm not quite sure. I think sure. because uh, online customers are niche, uh, mm. like they're looking for a specific thing. They're searching for it and they've ordered from you because you're a niche brand or a niche product. Mm-hmm. And so they order the really weird stuff online, <laughs> um, like the French oak moss and the, you know, like the, the dirtier, darker stuff. And then in person, people are like, Ooh, tangerine blossom and floral stuff that, you know, they they want the lighter, more general public things because right. it is the general public. Mm-hmm. It's not your, you know, yeah, your okay. like hardcore, mm-hmm. you know, people that come from everywhere to, to get something really, you know, different. That's they really, just want something. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, that's so true. For me, it's different. I think for my business, it, it's uh, mostly because we specialize in wedding rings and of course they have to be custom made to size so that's not something that you can really just buy at a market stall or something like Mm -hmm. that you know people are more likely to buy our earrings or necklaces or things like that whereas you know 80 90 percent of our business online is wedding rings so right yeah Yeah. looking into that difference between you know why things might work in different places i think it is also important for anyone making the transition from markets and retail to online because don't freak out if like your what was your best seller in real life somehow is not selling online just kind of go with what's working and accept right. it <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say has been the best marketing move i know mean, you say you don't really advertise much but what part of your business has, has been the most important to your marketing um, I would say uh, expressing myself creatively through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people use 
social media as, you know, like an advertising platform mm. um, and and just a way to just, you know, remind people you're there, tell them about your promotions, tell yep. them about, you know. Um, and instead of really doing lots of promotions and doing lots of, you know, like sales and stuff, um, I have decided to use those outlets as more of a way to just show an inspiring moment of my day. And that's why I really love Instagram um, as social media because um, that's kind of allowed there. That's what mm. people are expecting there. Um, and and the more creative I am uh, on social media, the better response I get. So, um, you know, if I, if I find like a... If I just take a really cool photo that has nothing to do with perfume, <laughs> nothing to do with anything except like, you know, uh, it, it still works. It still like is a part of me and a part of my brand because mm -hmm. I express myself so much through my brand that I feel that uh, it, it's almost like a way to be present uh, with all of your customers without being overtly like, hey, here's some stuff, buy it, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's more like involving them and, and, and also like treating yourself like the artist that you are. Yeah. Um, you know, like actually not just focusing on selling, focusing on, on like creativity and, and just what you are as a, a brand artist, entrepreneur, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, that's worked for me really well, I think, because people appreciate that I'm an artist and not just a business person. Mm. And I, th I think it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, that you have your five color palette. <laughs> you know, that you probably yeah. surround yourself with wear and, and are drawn to in, in life so that somehow, you know, even when you are, like you said, out taking photos, it's probably going to feel the same as the rest of your brand and then it it, that all works together really well which is why why it's nice to really express yourself through your brand as a handmade, handmade business uh, to the best of your capacity because then it's just natural it's you're being who you are and you're sharing what you care about and rather than trying to make it something artificial yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so um for those of you listening who haven't seen Jill's shop um, I should mention briefly so you have an Etsy shop where you've got coming up to 30,000 sales now and you started in Feb 09 and you have your own website as well what sort of proportion if you don't mind sharing of sales kind of come through those two channels um, so I uh, went a couple different routes with my regular website mm -hmm. uh, before um, I finally did a Shopify site because right. So you probably remember, like, seven years ago, Shopify was not what it is now. No. And so at first, I had, like, a Flash website, and then, like, Flash <laughs> is not supported, like, the next year. And so I'm like, okay, now I'll have a, you know, so I'm rebuilding everything from scratch again, and I don't have time to be doing that. But um, <laughs> I went with Magento, which was, you know, I, I went on a certain platform of Magento, um, and they were, like, kind of Shopify is a competitor mm. that did more... Uh, like, like you could uh, adjust it more. You could do more mm -hmm. configurable type options. So I went with that. Well, they discontinued whatever platform I was on with them. So a year and a half ago, I finally did my Shopify site, and I love Shopify. Mm -hmm. And I really wish I had stuck with, you know, started with it because that's obviously to me like the platform that's one out. Um, and 
it does everything I want it to do. Um, my sales on Etsy since I, you know, started so much earlier and that's had, you know, it's just been more um, consistent yeah. from the time I started. And I didn't even have another shop when I had started on Etsy. Um, I have way more customers there. Mm. Um, I think a lot of my customers just found me that way, especially like uh, the Oprah magazine. You know, <laughs> I only had an Etsy site at the time that came out. And so um, a lot of people had originally found me through Etsy. Mm. And I would say still at least 75% of my sales are through Etsy. Mm -hmm. um, and the other 25% of my online sales are Shopify. Sometimes if I do limited edition type things, I'll only put them on my Shopify, you know, for strangewoman.com website, and then I'll get a lot more orders through that, and maybe then it'll be a 50-50 type of a week, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Etsy's great, and they really have like a nice built-in social media platform as mm. well that so, helps kind of drive extra traffic. Yeah, and then they've got the shop updates feature now. Um, mm -hmm. as well so that's nice because that shows up in kind of people's screen and stuff when they log in so, yeah and I they have great uh, SEO yeah. <laughs> like they're like my it still comes up Etsy before mm -hmm. my regular website because their SEO is stronger than mine yeah, <laughs> <laughs> On my, yeah so and they know I, what they're doing yeah and I think that's a really important point about the return of customers as well like even people who buy you know they'll find you on Etsy because they're going to Etsy to look for something handmade and then they'll they'll just keep buying from you there because it's what they're comfortable with and that's okay um, sure and that you know you'll grow and grow and grow from there uh, you know I think having somewhere like Etsy you know there are people who kind of shut their shop and then move to their own website which I think is kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face I mean why would you why would you close a, a venue right. it's just a venue a venue that's working for your business um, that's my you know my feeling and we're the same like because we get great you know we've built up our business on Etsy for so long we have such great um, search reach there and stuff and we get so many customers especially from the states that we probably wouldn't get through our website because our website's in AUD and things like that so you know there's always those things to think about as well with having an Etsy site or a, you know you might these days if you're starting out have an Amazon handmade not that I've used it I don't know if it's good or not but you know these things are coming up and yeah as you know you don't just have you have your own website for sure right and I mean I know it's a little extra work you know you have to post the same things twice every time you have a new product and you have to update two websites all the time but um, I've found that it's worth it I, I would never drop Etsy and a lot of people will complain about Etsy and the way that they've changed when they've grown and everything mm. but I'm, I'm like you know I think they've done a fantastic job and mm. they are they're just a platform you're supposed to use it to your advantage and they're not supposed to be in charge of if you get sales or not so <laughs> you know. um, but it's worked for me just because mm. I've you know I feel like I've put a lot into it and I get out of it what I put into it so that, yes that is a really great point so talking about a little bit about business advice do you have one piece of advice you'd like to give fellow makers about running a successful creative business I would say um, you know when it comes to starting um, don't worry about what other people think about it. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Mm. Um, and don't really, you know, don't look around and, and try to be anything else. Um, I think it's 
the most successful part of what I've done is that I was doing things that people did not understand it at first. People did not, you know, really embrace my ideas or tell me, that's a great idea, Jill. Like, people were telling me, you're going to sell on the internet perfume that smells like cats that come inside in the winter. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Like, and no one else really got it. No one else was like, Jill, this is genius. You're going to be a millionaire. Like, you know, (laughs) I did not get a lot of support. And so you really, you can't expect support from the beginning. Mm. And you can't, um, you know, you can't really say, well, you know, maybe I should be more like this person and just do what they're doing. I think that would have hurt me a lot if Mm. I compromised any of the crazy ideas I had from the beginning. (laughs) And, And yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's good. I guess yeah. the question wasn't about starting out, but mm. no, that's I don't a know. really good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people Everyone's listening got... will be starting out, or you know, still in that sort of beginning stages. So, I yeah. think that's an excellent piece of advice, and you are an excellent person to give it because your your business and your brand is such a standout. It's so unique, and I think <laughs> that that uniqueness is what you know. If you can find it, if you can somehow grab onto that uniqueness that is you and your business and find some sort of a you know it's it's like a magic it's almost like magic or like blending the right perfume mm-hmm. you'll know it when you find it and it'll make all the difference to standing out uh, amongst um you know all the other people who are doing something similar but hopefully not exactly right. the same as what you're doing yeah yeah so looking into the future now um, and I know we talked earlier about the, the struggle between do I expand or not. Do you have kind of a, you know, a vision of where you might be in, say, five years' time? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I have gotten to a point after seven years that um, this year it really hit me, I think, cause, because we were so busy. I was like, I need more help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so my assistant was like, I'll work more, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, do you want to take over some of the customer service or something? Because I have been for seven years answering people's questions <laughs> and it's starting to get old. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know like I should have a long time ago um, outsourced a lot of the like, you know, like day to day grind type of work that I do. Um, but I've kept it so personal and I'm like, it doesn't need to be this personal, Jill. Like, <laughs> you need to like focus on being creative and not on like putting out fires that like, uh, or, you know, just some of the people um, give me some really challenging things to deal with and mm. I don't need to be dealing with it. So right. um, I, I do think that I'm going to let go a little bit of responsibilities. I'm going to quit being so, you know, controlling over every single aspect <laughs> of everything. I just, I need to let some of it go. I need to trust other people and their abilities to like take my brand and run with it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I would still, of course, make the perfume and design all the products. But I really think that um, I need to ask for more help. And so <laughs> if five years from now I'm good at asking other people for help, then I do think I'll be able to, um, to you know, like, I want to do weird stuff. I want to have you know, an earth ship or a tree house or somewhere that I can go for a few months out of the year Mm. and just like have my own artist retreat, you know, creatively (laughs) like 
get away from the city because I work in the middle of the city, really. Yeah. You know, like I, I did an interview one time for a Chinese magazine and, you know, I, I get a copy of it and someone told me the title of this magazine, like the article that you're in, Jill, it says the magic of the forest fairy. And I'm like, that's awesome because, you know, it's in Chinese. <laughs> I couldn't read it. And, and it was about like me living in the woods. And I remember during the the interview the woman was just like oh so you live in the woods because you know all my photography and everything makes yeah. it look like I live in like the <laughs> fairyland and and I was like no I don't live in a treehouse but that would be really cool if I did but I don't I live in a city <laughs> and and so it was just so funny because I'm like you know what though this is like totally what I want I do want an off-grid location that I can go to whenever I want and I want to be able to create there and come up with new ideas there and you know so maybe I'll get that in five years that would be very cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can become the forest fa fairy finally. Yeah, I think I need to embrace that a little bit more if I'm going to be, you know, going any further with this brand. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, do you happen to have a quote that inspires or motivates you that you could share with everybody listening? Hmm. Okay, I wrote this down. Where is it? <laughs> okay, this is um, from the book The Power of Now, mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle. Uh, the beginning of freedom is the realization that you are not the possessing entity, the thinker. And so I really value freedom. Mm. And that's like the first thing that I use to make decisions for my business and everything else. Mm -hmm. And this is trying to say that, you know, you can be free from like the responsibilities placed on your mind and everything mm -hmm. if you realize that every like idea you have, everything, all the inspiration that comes to you, um, it's not yours. Mm -hmm. You're not the one that possesses that, you know, creative energy. The creative energy is outside of you and it comes to you and it will go to other people. Um, and it's up to you to just grab some of that creative energy that's out there in the ether and use it. Um, if you believe that every idea comes from you and your ego, then you place too much importance on it and it stagnates you and it makes you afraid to pursue it um, because it's you and you're too close to yourself. But if you realize that that is actually an external idea that just found you, then you can just have fun and play with it and see what happens and not be afraid of failure and not be afraid of anything you're free you know you're free from the responsibility of you know oh man this is me this is my baby this is my idea you know mm -hmm. I, I guess yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah that's what that about. <laughs> <laughs> and you can let it go if it doesn't if it's not working for you let it go and know that it'll happen somewhere else and that's okay yeah 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 yeah, I, yeah freedom is my number one number one motivator in life as well so I can totally respond to that so where can people find you online? What is the best place for people to find out more about Jill and Four Strange Women? Um, I have, well, fourstrangewomen.com is my main website. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find everything from the shop with the products to the blog to, um, you know, links to a lot of interviews and other types of things. There's uh, maps where you can look through the types of perfume and find which you know scent is good for you. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, there's there's a couple different interactive types of things. There's 
information about natural perfume itself uh, in the about section, also about me and Tara, uh, our background, what we do, uh, our studio in Kansas City. There's photos of it and everything that you can look at. Um, and then I would say also I really like Instagram. That's mm -hmm. probably my favorite you know, just day-to-day -day social media interacting with people because I don't, I mean, I feel like I say what I need to say <laughs> through photos better yeah. than, than words sometimes. It takes a little less of my energy because it's just, it comes so naturally. Mm -hmm. So I love Instagram. Um, I, I'm on Facebook and Pinterest and things like that, but uh, I do focus most of my energy on my Instagram and my forestrangewoman.com. Excellent. And I'm on Etsy, ah, so of you're an Etsy shopper. <laughs> yeah. We'll put all those links in the show notes for this episode as well. So that was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jill, and sharing your journey and your insights with everybody listening. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. It was fun. I hope you found that enjoyable and you found it inspiring and you've gone and checked out Jill's shop and her brand and seen why it is so unique. And of course, if you haven't already, head on over to grantthrive.com forward slash start here, pop your email in to not only get access to the upcoming Brand Your Craft course, the, the 2.0 version of the course that's coming really soon, but also you get access to a whole bunch of stuff in my Handmade Business Toolkit, a free toolkit of resources for makers just like you, including my Etsy Quick Start Guide. So go check that out and uh, sign yourself up for that now if you haven't already. Uh, that is again createandthrive.com forward slash start here and you can enter your email there and get access to all of those awesome free resources. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to this episode today. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you trusting me and taking the time to be with me here today. Thank you so, so much. If you did enjoy this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would share it share it with people on your instagram stories um, share it on your instagram feed share it in facebook groups talk about it to your friends really the best way for people to discover this podcast is for people just like you to say to a friend hey i've listened to this show and i found it really helpful do you know about it or have you heard of it so thank you so, so much in advance for anybody who does share this episode or the show in general with their community. I can't thank you enough for doing so. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the show. And until then, bye for now.